0: Honestly, it's not even that porno, it's, it's really good. Really recommend watching it, very nice. It's also a benefit that you can talk one after a day, Bruce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what? <laughs> In what circumstances does that not make anything better?
1: <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, Midsummer. I'm Gav. I'm Alex.
2: I'm Joel. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And
1: just like Midsummer, we're about to let the festivities begin. Well, as Much festivities as lockdown will allow, which reading the news after Friday's VE celebrations in the UK is pretty pig headly, heartily to be honest. <laughs> Seriously, though, if you've never heard this show before, then hold on to your buttocks as we thrust some fun directly into your ears. Essentially, oh.
0: it,
3: it's I was expecting I the worst like that. on that. One, I've got the it's, like, a film? Has that got anything to do with
0: the film? Yeah, it does, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see okay. Later on, where somebody has their
1: buttocks thrust. <laughs> okay. We, you know, we'll talk about it later on, don't worry. You'll be clued All in. Right. You'll be clued in. Essentially, we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. There's also a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans to keep you entertained, including a caption contest, a quiz, some average impressions, some xylophone playing, sound effects, and a whole lot of banter. So do stick around. Uh, now, this week's film, as mentioned before, is Midsummer. Is it summer of 69 or is it summer of Sam? Hopefully, we're going to find out. Is that, too one that, is, is that too
2: close to the bone, that one? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I don't so know, just is, it, is it Woodstock or is it that serial killer that terrorized New York?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I also think it's better to ask that question before you say it.
3: Are yeah. <laughs> oh, you going for summer of 69 or summer of 2020? Because. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: well done! Uh, so, just to say, this will be a very spoilerific episode. So, if you haven't seen Midsummer yet, check Thanks. it out. <laughs> well, hey don't even start me yet, pal. Right? <laughs> if you haven't seen Midsummer yet, it's available on Amazon Prime for free if you have an Amazon Prime account. That is, uh, or if not, I think it's about five ninety nine, which is two pound cheaper than getting Amazon Prime. So, you may as well just get Amazon Prime in the first place. Anyway. What you can do alternate, alternatively is just listen uh, to the episode after you've watched the film, or you can just trust our judgments, Or you can fast-forward to our quiz. This week is brought to us by Alex, which will start around the 40-minute mark, we reckon. Anyway, before we go on, our last film on trial was... Uh, I was going to call it Roundhouse. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I told you last week. No, our last film on trial was Roadhouse. Roadhouse. <laughs> Uh, and hussy you judged that the uh you judged the trial and you deemed that it should be placed on the hit list you've since gone away and you've watched roadhouse so did you make the right call yes or no
4: it got me in a good mood yeah yes <laughs> it was uh, caught me on a good day i reckon if it had been a different day it would have clearly gone on the shit list it's one of those but i, I think just like dave said i'd probably watch it again uh, if I was in the same sort of mood, it is a shit film, but
0: it's a fun shit film. Ha- was, <laughs> was it a day where you'd sustained a serious head injury? <laughs> 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 was, that, was that the kind of day it was?
4: Yeah, well, yeah, it was along those lines, yeah. But I, I think it's, uh, it, it's, it's mind-numbing, uh, mind-numbing. We're in like good. day
3: 100 of lockdown, I think we've all got head injuries now.
4: <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah, I'm, I'm happy with what list it's on. It, it deserves it, just about. Good stuff, right? Thank you very much, Aussie. Okay, onto the bulk of the show. This week's film, as mentioned before, is Midsummer.
0: <phone rings> Fuck it. <laughs> what was that? went out so fast on it. Well. Was <laughs>
1: yeah, it was. It was summer ah. sixty nine. Well, supposedly, anyway, it was quite quiet and uh, wrong. So, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I, <laughs> quickly skimming over that. Moving on. Um. This uh, week's film was picked out of the hat at random, and it was recommended to us by our very own Joel, who said, and I quote, I'd like to put Midsummer on trial just to shit all over Gav's favorite (laughs) film of 2019. Uh, Anyway, Anyway, all of the roles have also been picked out of the hat at random. So in defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be Ozzy and me. I'm a little bit like Will Poulter's Mark. My uncontrollable need to relieve my bodily fluids in public has got me into a fair amount of jams. (laughs) And (laughs) Ozzy is just like Florent Pew's Danny. He would wear a teepee and crown made out of flowers and throw all of his mates under the bus without a moment's hesitation. And acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on this shit list will be Joel and Dave. Now, Joel is just like Jack Rayners Christian. He may be unemotive and quiet... <laughs> but what a fantastic bear arse has. <laughs> am I right? <laughs> <laughs> and Dave is just like William Jackson Harper's Josh. He says he's got a lot of work on at the moment, but we really know that all he's doing is mushrooms in his garden. <laughs> 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 now, just like real court advocates who may be making the... Uh, Sorry, just like real court advocates will be making the best case for our roles. Now, these may or may not be our genuine opinions, however, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear our genuine thoughts, although you can probably guess both mine and Joel's uh, from what I just (laughs) said before, but ignore that and just continue. Um, This means that Alex has got the most important role of the week. (laughs) I'm trying to eat popcorn at the same time. I've just swallowed a bit. Sorry, Alex. Ever the professional, I'm addicted to food. Uh, so Alex will be playing the judge uh, this week, and Alex is just like Wilhelm Blomgren's pal. Uh, he appears really nice and sensitive on the outside, but we know that he'd set us all on fire in a heartbeat.
0: And
1: Alex must decide which list the film sorry which film the list should go on hit or ship based solely on the arguments brought to him and not using his own opinion uh, which is good because Alex has never seen the film uh, now before we get started I think we should give the listeners a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is about so let us spin the wheel of impressions So here we read off the synopsis of the film in one of the uh, in the style of one of the casts or characters from the film. This week it's landed on Joel. So how would we like? It's Joel? Always
3: fucking me in lockdown.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, 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 how how would we like Joel to read out in?
3: It was literally uh, British or Swedish?
1: I was say, how's your Swedish, Joel?
2: Yeah, I think Swedish, to be honest. Uh, Remember, Alex
3: Alex does a mean Max von Sydow. If it comes (laughs) across as as casually racist, then I'm sorry in advance. There's a couple of travels to Sweden to visit <laughs> a, a rural hometown's fabled Midsummer <laughs> Festival. <laughs> it begins as an idyllic retreat, quickly devolves into an increasingly violent, uh, bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, man, I've been to Stockholm, and that was... I it was oh. on, yeah. Oh, honestly,
2: man. I, I was oh. actually genuinely having flashbacks of Sven on Ericsson there. So
3: you, <laughs> on <board> <laughs> you know what was going through my head when I was reading that was that interview with uh, Steve McLaren when oh. <laughs> 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 yeah. he suddenly turns yeah. touch for like yeah. one interview.
1: I, I t- was it just me? But I thought you sounded just like Roy Cropper from Coronation Street. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that was my second inspiration. <laughs>
0: Uh,
1: Okay, yeah, without further hesitation, Alex, would you like to please kick off proceedings?
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. I know there's quite a lot of rivalry in between uh, Joel and Gav on this one. I'm going to put it on to prosecution first because I feel like uh joel you know you've you've sort of picked this film to be to be on trial and i'm gonna let you have first go at him
3: i mean the film
1: (laughs) (laughs) you're a little bastard you know.
3: (laughs) okay well um you you know i'll be the first to admit i'm not like a, a horror advocate you know i haven't seen too many horror films but what i have seen in this is something that i've seen many times before it's just in a different skin um so i think what we'll Gav, will say, is something along the lines of, you know, it's beautifully shot, which it is. And, you know, it's set in, it's basically set in uh, this Swedish uh, vista. It's like a kind of, I suppose you'd call them a cult. And um, it, it basically revolves around that. There's like a group of friends that go, uh, they're invited uh, to Sweden by their friend. And they basically go and spend some time with this cult. Uh so when they get there they kind of start doing drugs almost immediately. Uh and then they have this the cult have this uh, little ceremony where I think you reach the age of seventy-two, you you kill yourself. That's part of like being in the cult. So the way to kill themselves is they go to this cliff and they kind of just, you know, jump off essentially. But the first person that you see witness it um, the, the, I think it's a woman, she like kind of dives head first and you, see, you literally see her like head just hit the ground and just fucking explode and go. And then the next person that instantly does it is like an old man and he just walks off the edge. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't make any attempt to like kill himself. He just walks off the edge. So he hits the ground, obviously legs first and his legs just crumple. And like, I, I again, it's gore. And then there's this like itchy and scratchy moment. Where somebody <laughs> just pulls out this big sledgehammer because if you don't die, you get a, you get sledgehammered in the face. Um, so one of the cult members just instantly finishes him off. And again, very graphic close-up shot of a cult member finishing this old seventy-two-year-old man with a uh, itching, scratchy type sledgehammer, and they're just like bashing his brains in. Uh, you know, very, very graphic. As I say, so I mean, just think about that for a second. You know, you and your mates have been invited to lovely Sweden and you arrive there and that shit happens in front of you what would you do I mean it doesn't take a fucking genius you would say I don't care if that is my dad who's invited me I'm fucking getting off here I'm I'm not hanging around any longer whatsoever and this is one of the biggest gripes in my entire in the entire film for me it's just stupidity all the way through it stupidity which they try and uh, kind of take your mind off by the constant gore Everybody dies in extremely gory ways. Uh, You know, I just just mentioned those two, which are probably some of the goriest in in the film. But then there's just loads of other really, really strange decisions. Uh, Like, for example, one of the uh, group of friends goes missing, uh, and they all say that he's gone off with a girl. Uh, But he's missing for days, and not one of them goes, well, you know, um, maybe we should start panicking a bit here. And it's one of those situations where one by one by one by one, they all go missing. And they all just hang around. They stick around till the end. And, of course, it's all gone to shit. This suicide cult, well, I don't even know what you'd call them, this cult, uh, basically to, I think, rid themselves of evil. They have to sacrifice, I think, nine humans or something like that. Um, And then the uh, Florence Pugh, who plays Danny at the end, she is kind of taken uh upon she's kind of taken upon them and she's uh basically uh for some reason at the end she's i don't know what you'd call it she has like a mental breakdown is the only way i would describe it but she's happy that all her friends are dead like she's basically made like the may girl type of thing and all of her friends have died and at the end the end scene his hair smiling and you know that that's essentially the plot in a nutshell they go to sweden uh, they hang around watch themselves get killed one by one by one in extremely graphic ways and then at the end the main character is happy that all the mates are dead i'll just summarize the plot for you
0: all right thank you very much all right uh gav i'm going to let you jump in on this one first uh
4: can I push in first? This is going go
0: Aussie. Joel's summary of the plot is
4: exactly what I thought the lads' holidays were going to be. Actually, it was going to be <laughs> <yours and laughs> us, and all of our mates, all ten of us, twelve of us, and I figured that you guys would all die. I'd watch it and then and be happy at the end. And unfortunately, I think you'd be happy I've, I've had the to start. do this four or five times now, and not once <laughs> has that come true. You got to start it, Aussie. You got to start. <laughs> in
2: in a way, Winston did get burned alive. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay. Oh uh, sorry go on go. On. So you know jo- Joel's saying that it's the stu- character the characters is just stupid all the way through it. You know there's there's no real sense to it. Um you know he's saying that there's a good setting to it it's well shot but the stupidity of everyone and what they're doing doesn't make any sense. You wouldn't act like that really and the potholes are too big that they're trying to cover with gore. Why is that not true Gav?
1: Right, firstly, Joel has massively glossed over the story. Uh, so he didn't even cover the, the beginning bit and the reason to why the characters are actually there. So the film starts off with Florence Pugh's Danny, who uh, try, she's trying frantically to get in contact with her parents. And as after her sister sends her a really worrying email, Anyway, her unsympathetic boyfriend, Christian, uh, played by Jack Wayne, as I said before, who we are shown wants to break up with her. He's he's really unsympathetic. He, he tries to convince her that she's catastrophizing, but it is soon revealed that her sister has carried out this gruesome murder-suicides on both her and her parents. And now this all happens before the credits even roll, so it's very shocking from the start. A uh, uh, Grief-stricken Danny is begrudgingly invited on a trip uh, by Christian and his grad student friends, Mark and Josh, to visit their exchange student friend pelle's commune in sweden to celebrate the annual pagan festival of midsummer once they arrive a series of creepy and shocking rituals take place and danny and christian's relationship strains even further and people start disappearing danny is uh, longing for empathy and love which christian is just unable to provide and which she finally gains from the commune itself as danny is embraced by the commune uh, she eventually becomes the Mayflower Queen, as Joel was saying, of the festivities, and is forced to pick a final sacrificial candidate for the festival, one of the commune, or Christian, uh, her boyfriend or ex-boyfriend. She picks Christian, and all of the pain and suffering is finally lifted as she watches Christian burn to death, essentially. Uh, and uh, Joel was saying before, you know, this is its stupid decisions. I don't think it is. So, like, two of the characters are driven by their desire t- uh, for their furthering of their education. Uh, so the reason that they go there is because because Josh was it was doing um, a PhD on old sort of uh, medieval uh, different uh, sort of cults um and when they get there, Christian he is undecided about what he wants to do with his PhD. He's been sitting on it for ages and hasn't made any decisions. Once he arrives there, he decides that he wants to do it on the actual uh, commute itself. So there's a lot of sort of like button heads between Christian and Josh because, you know, Josh is like, well, this is what I wanted to do and you're taking the spotlight away from me. So when Joel was saying like, oh, they were saying about getting the hell out of there, you just wouldn't stay. And like two of the other people that are invited there, they do that. They say, Fuck this, we're going. You know, they're the sensible ones. And then they're killed off for it off screen. Joel said that every character is, it meets a gruesome end. A lot of it happens off screen. The first two characters that are mentioned are two sort of like uh, superfluous characters. All the people that have been invited from the outside to the commune, they die off screen. And they're the ones that are like the rationale. They're like, Oh, we want to get out of here. Uh, the other characters want to stay out of because they're sort of like a mark of respect. The leader of the commune comes to them and, and explains why those two people have committed suicide. They say, listen, in, you know, it's, you know, you might think it's strange, but in our commune, we have cycles of life. You know, the first 18 years is your childhood where everybody's nurtured and, you know, they're encouraged to, like, grow. Uh, then 18 to, I don't know, 30-odd uh, students, so you're sent away and, you know, you can do whatever you want. You're free to do whatever you want. 30-odd, you come back here, 30 to 50, Fifty odds, you're working. You got to, you know, uh, attend to the land. You got to teach the kids, and then fifty to seventy odd is your retirement age, where you sit back and you know you just uh, basically enjoy retirement. But seventy two, bang, that's it. You die, and it's a sacrifice made to appease our gods, and everybody is okay with that. And the two students, as I said before, they're trying to be very respectful because they want to do uh, this for their PhD essentially and the rest they're just getting carried along for the ride you know uh, this film is essentially about a, like a horrific big operatic breakup in the words of director Ari Aster. it tackles themes of mental illness toxic masculinity and relationships gaslighting and family identity it's slow it's unnerving disturbing and vivid in its horror it's innovative in its direction and it's beautiful in its cinematography and uh, frankly it's a hit list film
0: oh oh what, what what a way to finish. Um, Dave, so you know, Gav sort of come back there and said, Well actually, you know, the, the motivation to characters does make sense. Would you would you agree with that?
2: I would disagree, obviously. I mean, um, you'd imagine I'm going to say that anyway. Me and (laughs) Gav are on opposite sides in this. this No, I would genuinely disagree with Gav. I don't think it makes sense. Even, you know, you've just watched two people, well, sorry, you've watched one person commit suicide and then someone else attempt it and then get finished off, essentially, while everyone chants on. Whether you're worried about offending people or not, you'd kind of be, I think at that point, you'd say, I'm sorry, this isn't for me. I'm going to have to go leave you to your ways and what have you, but I'm not going to hang around and see what happens next. And I think Gav tapped into it when he said this is essentially, it's a breakup film. It's about the deterioration of the relationship between the two main characters. Uh, As Gav said, he wanted to break up with her, but then her sister killed herself and, and their parents, and he... He couldn't go through it at that point. So they've stayed in this toxic relationship ever since. And I think that's essentially what the film's going I I I understood the film a little more when I found out that Ari had rewritten the script having been broken up with. You could kind of see where his mind was at at the time, and this was a very toxic, you broke my heart, I'm going to burn you alive sort of stuff. And I feel like you could could say he poured himself into it. You know, he uh, he put some of his own experiences into this script. I think he may have gotten a little carried away with it, and it's become... Um, given the subject that the script was already grounded in, it became unrealistic and it became almost absurdist. I think the way the characters behave and I think the way they treat one another, the way they speak, the the actions that they take, this is an absurdist film. It doesn't make sense. Uh, The motivation is non-existent. Well, it's it's not non-existent, but it's not, you can't tap into it. You don't understand it. So I'd say, although the characters are, you know, it's not to say they're two-dimensional. There's a lot going on with these characters, but it's not something that is relatable. And I feel when you're making a horror film, the thing that really gets you, the thing that will have you thinking about stuff, you know, it's always like, oh, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? I wouldn't have done that. It's because you put yourself in their shoes. It's because you're relating to them. To really get into the heart of a horror film, you've got to be able to relate to the characters. And if their decisions are too far in the opposite you know they can't do exactly what you do in a common sense situation but if their decisions are too far the other way it just takes you out of the moment and it doesn't seem real and you know you're very aware you're watching a horror film okay cool
0: thank you very much dave uh joel i I know i was going to go to ozzy in a minute but joel you want to say something quick
3: yeah you know gav mentions and and dave as well the The point which I may have kind of glossed over, which is obviously the breakup uh, part of it. But I actually think this is a a really uh, kind of, I don't know, like a a really wrong way of of portraying it. Um, It kind of shows mental illness in a way. And it's the way that she kind of deals with grief, or at least that's how, you know, the film would have you believe. Um, you know, Dave mentioned that it was actually rewritten so that, um, you know, that the breakup was actually part of the plot and that kind of shows you that it was just lazy writing to begin with. Um, but, you know, the, the mental illness and grief side of it, you know, this this film just shows a kind of going off, doing drugs, uh, kind of uh, just uh, really letting go with no kind of, um, you know, story arc to actually her story other than dealing with that grief and then it kind of comes full circle in the end. And it kind of shows that actually, you know, she's kind of turned into this sadistic person who's actually, you know, as I said in the first place, happy that her friends have died. And just to kind of reiterate what Dave said, um, you know, the decisions absolutely wholeheartedly do not make sense here. You know, Gav may have kind of explained them, but it's just such a pithy way of doing it. And, you know, with modern horror films, you've got to have more than just... Um, you know, being in the wrong place at the wrong time, type of thing. Like, you know, with Friday the 13th, those type of films just don't make sense anymore. Because, in order the in order for them to work, the characters have to make terrible decisions, which don't make sense. And that is uh, something which is just prevalent all the way through this film.
0: Thank you, Gav. I can uh, see being called a pith artist isn't very nice, but I'm going to go to I'm going to go to Aussie first.
4: I, I just want to uh, back up quite a lot of what Gav Gav said there. Actually, is that I felt that. Um, like i can understand where joel's coming from if you're gonna strip it right down to just that, that simple simple summary then yeah you can quite easily argue that, that the decision just is stupid but you've got to look at the character motivations from the start so when you see um see danny that first bit she's just had a an absolute trauma so and and then it, you switch over and you see uh christian's his name isn't it? it's uh yep. he's you know he's there with his mates. You know, and he's he's trying to ignore her. He wants to break up with her. All his mates are saying, "Listen, you've been trying to get out of this relationship for ages. Come on holiday with us. Let's go. We're going to do this. It's going to be great. Just you know, just bin her off." Eventually, he answers it. She's had the trauma. I break up with her because, like, literally, her parents had just died. So, he sticks with her. She invites herself to the holiday because that's going to be good for her. And then, um, and so that's the first decision. Everyone's come on this holiday now two of the guys to do a PhD, get, the, get their education. And you know what, and I think people do that if you're a student, if you're at that level of, you know, you've got n- nothing else. I think I think it's, uh, you've got to put yourself back into the, uh, back into the mindset of, of what these characters would be in order to understand the decision. So then you go, you're on this cool holiday, you rock up, everyone's beautiful. Also, you've got your education, you think, you know what, this is going to be great, I'm going to have a boss time here. Everyone is beautiful. And, I'm learning stuff, you know, I'm going to have a great PhD because no one's ever done this before. Then when you get to the, uh, you see the deaths, it's like, fuck. Yuck. From a visual point perspective, it's like, I was not expecting that. And then it's explained, and you're thinking, you know what, shit, if if this was me doing a research project, this is fucking gold. Like, literally, of course you're going to stick around because this is absolute gold. Imagine being able to write about this no one's going to do that so that'll be that's why you stick around for that and then the people who get off they disappear you're not going to question it again because i would understand that my mates might think this is this is fucked up so I'm not going to care about where they've got to until later when you find the bodies. I hope
3: so that's certain, not true, you know, quite, If we all go disappear, quite, <laughs> 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 and you're like, "Fuck them," me. me know. Fuck uh, uh, them. I, I, I think it's quite follow, well explained. We're going
1: to leave. Like, if we said, yeah. "Oh, we're, we've had enough of this. We're going to leave," and then you didn't see us, you'd just think, "Oh, they've left," because they said they were going to leave. So,
4: so I think it's quite well explained, and and it's kind of a it's a moot point, really, to talk about the motivations and the the silly decisions being made I, I think that the big thing to take out to that really struck me is like uh dave said is that it's a take on on, on the breakup you know it's actually Danny's the main character in this and it's it's a real it it, it, it gets well, by the time you get to the end and this thing where joel's saying she looks at over at the uh christian dying it's like fuck i understand the film now this is actually her, you know. It's a take on mental illness, mate. It's it, and it's a it's a really bold film to do it that way because I I didn't think it was particularly scary. And there are times where it's kind of maybe you'll laugh a little bit, but I don't think you'll laugh because it's funny. You'll laugh because I don't really know what to do in this situation. You know, it's not it's not like a it's not a scary scary horror film. It's a very weird horror film. Uh, and, and i can't think of, a, of another film that's like that i don't have a broad enough you know horror film vocabulary to to, to liken it to something but it's it's creepy <laughs> it, it, it's a, <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's a bit it's you know it's it's odd and uh, but but yeah my take on it was that it's uh it, it's a really dark look at a uh, at the mental you know at the mental health of danny essentially she gets to the end and like gav says you know Everyone's gone. That's a new a new start for her. She's been embraced into this cult. They're taking her on. She's the big girl now. She's got a family again. To live to you know until she's seventy two, then she can jump off the cliff. But <laughs> yeah. She's got she's got a family to that yeah. point, and and it's only at the very last scene where you really grasp it. You know, I think that was for me anyway. Maybe other people pick it up earlier, but it was that very final smile while she's watching the TV, like, up in flames. What do you think? Fuck, that hmm. was pretty well done.
0: So, okay, cool. Thank you, uh Gav. You've been wanting to say something for a while.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just it's I, I, funny I, now, mate. If you imagine up in the, uh, this time. Honestly, my arm is killing me from the amount of. Uh, I, 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 anyway, anyway. um yeah, no, I've, I've just got. To, I need to report several things, but I wanted to talk about like <laughs> deemed, uh specifically uh, the mental health uh, issues in the film, but like to, just to report a few things. Uh, these aren't Danny's friends. These are Christians' friends. These are friends of Christian who were saying at the beginning, "Cut Danny out your life." They're like. they are like they're not nice they're not nice about her they're very passive aggressive to her face they're so very sort of um one of them like when with when we're first introduced to them as a group. Completely ignores her and goes into a different room to speak to Christian. The other one just sits there in silence. You know, kind of drinking his tea, ignoring her. You know, they're not very nice to her at all. So you know, why would she be asked at the end? And the thing isn't isn't her like and kind of being made up. They're all their friends have died. That isn't the takeaway from this film. The takeaway is that like, yeah, she's found acceptance. She's been searching throughout this film to find empathy, to find love, to find the family unit rebuilt after her parents were killed at the beginning. And she's finally got that. That's why she's happy. And she's free of a toxic relationship as well. And when you were talking about the breakup aspect of the film, I was reading this interview with Ari Aster and it was really interesting. He was saying he wanted to make this big operatic sort of breakup film where it's like, you know, if you've had a really bad breakup and if that person has like kind of broken your heart, sometimes you think, oh, like I wish they, they were dead. I wish all, you know, this horrible stuff to them. And then he says to watch it played out, actually you think to yourself, would I actually want that? Because at the end, throughout the film, you've been rooting for Danny and then when the end actually happens and you see what she does and she condemns Christian to death and she's smiling at it, you're kind of walking away from that film very uneasy, very like, oh, actually, I don't agree with what she's done there. So, you know, like she was the hero until the final end and you're like, oh, actually, her actions no i i don't think they, they settle with me there I, I, and that was his point you know like sometimes this is what you want but you know what you want isn't necessarily actually what you need Um, i, I just wanted to talk about some of the themes uh, like uh, especially mental illness when we're introduced to danny at the beginning it's established that she suffers with pretty severe mental health issues uh, and then the trauma of losing their family along the way these are made dramatically worse as the film goes on she struggles to cope and she searches in vain to find love and empathy which are mentioned before and you know eventually does but it's not just danny you know like the whole thing is that she is obviously like the epitome of like uh, mental health issues but if you look, if you search deeper, you'll actually see that every single one of them is suffering from mental health issues. Danny's is obviously the more visible than others. She's medicating for anxiety. She's very vocal in her grief. She's distant and she gets visibly emotional. Um, and she's treated with contempt by Christian, like she's a burden and, and his friends as well. Um, but the thing is, she's treated like a pariah, whereas they act like they've all got their shit together. In reality, they have their own struggles with mental health. Christian is insecure and struggles with his studies. Joseph's is possessive and self-doubting. Mark is vain, impulsive and brash. You know, they also think that the community, this commune, is odd. And they snigger and even recoil at some of the rituals. But at the end, the community, however odd it may be, accepts Danny for who she is and are able to offer her the sense of family that she needed and that Christian and his friends couldn't provide. And at the beginning, uh, Christian's friends treat her with a lack of empathy throughout. And the irony is that they are treated with the same lack of empathy by the community later on when they all meet their individual demises. But like, okay. I also wanted to say about like toxic masculinity and gaslighting as well. You know, this film highlights that from the very beginning, this isn't a very healthy relationship. Every male character is a different aspect of toxic masculinity, like selfish, unsympathetic, unemotive and Christian, arrogant and brash with Josh. You know, and, and when it was talking about gaslighting, christian is seen gaslighting danny throughout the entire film you know from the very beginning he's trying to brush off her sister and uh, uh, you know the, the fear that she's experiencing at the beginning telling danny that you know she's cat- catastrophizing and she oh you always jump to conclusions then it turns out to be right uh and then later on he f- has forgotten to tell danny that he was going to sweden and then he blames her for not picking up on the messages he said like, oh well you should have known you know uh, he's ho- constantly hot and cold when they get to the commune as well you know it's just a very Unhealthy relationship, and then finally the theme of our family as well. She loses her family at the beginning, and is eventually sucked into the commune by its false promise of family and comfort. She is gradually enticed by them because her normal world is completely shattered, and this commune, no matter how bizarre it is, as Joel said before, it may like it, it's actually more appealing than the alternative of her world outside. And that's what she needs at that time, no matter how like animalistic or like unhealthy or horrific it may be. That is what she needs, and she
0: gets it, and she's happy. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, right, I feel like themes. I've got a lot about themes, and I've got a lot about like character motivation. So I'm I'm set on themes. I've, I've you know I've, I feel like we've we've covered that. But it's a horror film, so Dave, I was hoping you could you know. How does this fare as an actual just a horror film? What are the scares like? Is it unnerving? What, what sort of what sort of horror is this we're watching?
2: It's, I'd say, a psychological. Um, horror film, and that's what it sets out to be anyway from the uh, from the offset. What it actually becomes is it becomes more of a slasher. Like I said, uh, Joel's mentioned the gore that um, this this goes into, and it, it doesn't pull its punches. It really does go gory. I think the worst one, I mean, uh, the, the cliff scene's bad. I think the worst one is the blood eagle, which is essentially where pardon. someone is... I, a blood eagle. I yeah, <laughs> a blood eagle, yeah. It's essentially where <laughs> someone is strung up and their lungs are pulled out their back uh, to create like wings. And this Jesus. happens to yeah, it's it's old medieval thing, um, we, we, and it's used here. And for some reason, the lungs are still like inflating and deflating like he's like he's still alive. I think he's meant to be dead. I don't know why the lungs were still going like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's horrifically gory, like one of the goriest horror films I've seen. And the danger was that it was going to stray into slasher territory, and slasher is just it's cheap scares and cheap things. And, and I give this film, it's due, it doesn't go down the cheap scare route. It doesn't go for shock factor. It goes for that growing sense of unease uh but i think the gore was unnecessary i think there was more so there were subtle ways that this could have been done that really would have shown arias's skill as a filmmaker had he gone down a more subtle route so i think yeah the gore was excessive so it's
0: not, so it's not like jump scares it's not going for that it's more for like the i, w- the, I can't the, actually the think
2: of a jump scare i can't think of a jump scare i think it goes for the growing sense of unease as opposed to anything else. I think that's what it's gunning for. And, you know, there's been a lot of horror films like that. There's been a lot of films that have that growing sense of unease. They've been quite big the last 20 years. And I think uh, the slow kind of camera angle that Arias uses you know, you start off far away, you kind of zoom in, you maybe zoom back out again. Arias is good at it, but so are a lot of horror film directors. And anyone who's cut their teeth doing psychological horror films knows these camera techniques. It's not as special as it seems. Arias is good at it but it's not something he's come up with himself. So I think his direction, and as far as getting the best out of his cast as a director, bear in mind when he did Hereditary, his leading actress was Tony Collette. In this case, it's Florence Pugh. He's got some fantastic actors working for him how much of their performances is down to him I don't know I could probably get a good performance if I was directing Tony Clare or Florence Pugh you know it's, it's, <laughs> down, it's <laughs> down to <him>. sorry sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no. No. I
4: mean listen you've listened to the man himself The great performances from Florence Pugh okay from of it's true and it's true great, of great, great cinematography doesn't matter <laughs> that he's not the only one to do it, I'm, I'm, do it, before, well. I to it before I Dave go to prosecution before I go to prosecution
0: I'd like to hear more from defense so Joel is there anything You'd like to add, like, talk about just the horror side of it. Did you know, is, is this an accomplished horror? Does it make you feel uneasy, scared?
3: Um, it, de- it definitely made me feel uneasy. Um, you know, I'm somebody who I, yeah, I've seen like a lot of gory films, but I like gore to always have a point. Yeah, you know, I've seen a lot of zombie films, but you don't go into a zombie film, you know, surprised that there's you know, <laughs> guts and blood and that type of thing. You, you, you know what you getting in for when you sign up for those films with this you know gav mentions all like the kind of uh you, you know i don't know what i'm trying to get at here but uh kind of the expected things that you're meant to take away from it but but you know the gore is just far too over the top for me and that's you know, something that really did make me feel uncomfortable. I felt that way during uh, Event Horizon when we discussed that. You know, I felt like it was just a tool to um, kind of go over the lazy plot, if you like. And and again, I felt that here, but possibly even stronger. Um, you know, there is the Blood Angel bit that Dave's discussed. There's the suicide bit. Uh, there's also a bit where I can't remember which character it is, but he gets skinned um i think it's a the guy called is it mark it's, um, it's will pulp's yeah, it? character, yeah. character mark so essentially he goes missing uh, and it, he he's being killed but he gets skinned so one of the cult actually wears wears his skin and then um you know one of his friends uh, sees him and he's like oh shit you know mark's back but as he gets closer he realizes it's somebody with his skin on and obviously he just fucking you know conks him over the head and does him in. And it's just. It wouldn't be out of place in things like Friday the 13th or, uh, you know, slasher films, as, as Dave said. And it, it's, it goes so far beyond into the ridiculous category that whatever kind of good plot points and all the things that Gav may have described in terms of the beautiful things that it may be trying to portray are just completely lost because of the amount of gore and things like that in here. It's just you know it it, it just turns off the senses like to, to 90 and that's the only thing that you can focus on
0: like very quick thing dave before i hand it over to the defense
2: yeah i just wanted to add in reference to what joel was talking about with the skinning of will polter this is one of the few films where a character's been skinned and i can say i saw it coming because he's uh the, the kids the kids are singing in this pagan cult they're singing a song and like oh what what game are they playing oh it's called skin the Fool. And then Woolpulter goes and urinates on a, a sacred tree, and it's just it, from the as soon as he went missing, you know full well he's been skinned. It was all subtlety was taken out of it, and any sense okay. of surprise was gone. It was yeah. all—I I think they dumbed it down too much. I think they could have been more subtle with that one.
4: Okay. Uh, uh, I, I, you know what? I don't think that's an issue whatsoever. I think that adds to the creepiness that the kids are singing about it. It's just—it's like it's still—it's still gross. It's still disgusting, and it's still powerful that this happens. You know, the the gore. You know, like, I'm not a big fan of gore in, in in a lot of the time, and you know, don't get me wrong, I wasn't a big fan of how much gore is in this, but that doesn't take away from how effective it is, at, you know, just, just hammering home the the horrors that, you know, that's going through and then for, for Danny to still be, you know, feel like that they, they want her to be part of the crew, you know, and then to, to to accept that. I think it all builds on that. You've got to sort of take it from from all of the different angles and, and it, you know, I I don't think the, the gore is, is a major issue from there, you know. In terms of the horror, the horror is the is you're not quite sure how gross it's gonna get to the next point, and, and you're also thinking, right. Are they trying to, you know, what are they doing to her? Are they weaning in on her? You know, like it's it's scary, it's pretty creepy. And while there's no real jump scares, there's a few moderate frights, you know, a little bit of tension when um when, when when people are like leaving uh through into the woods and you know, there's a few bits where. Someone who, if you if you're a big horror fan, you've seen loads of horror films. Yeah, maybe it's not gonna it's not gonna blow your socks off from a, a jump scare point of view, but you know it, it it's still creepy. You know? I think oh, jump, jump scares scary. aren't everything
0: for horror, are they?
4: Yeah, exactly. I think you can. It, it, it's a different type of horror, you know. I think that sort of stuff is almost cheap, whereas this is quite thoughtful. Um, scary in in its own right, you know, in a different way. It's scary.
0: Okay, cool. So, Gav you know the the prosecution here is saying that there's no point in all this gore can you tell me what is the point in the gore all right I will say that there are some moments of
1: real like horrific violence and gore but it's nowhere near as bad as joel's making out like comparing it to event horizon is a bit over the top you know like (laughs) it
3: um, absolutely isn't i'm sorry this is top five goriest films i've ever seen no but the thing
1: is is that like when i say comparing it to event horizon event Horizon's gore, i feel is like long and just in your face whereas this is more subtly done this glimpses of horrific violence they're long enough for the audience to feel disturbed but not long enough for it to actually be gratuitous Like when you think about like the the man getting his head caved in, you see. A second, maybe even less of that actually happening. When you see his leg after he's just jumped off the cliff once again, very short, only a second. These are like the horrific things, but you don't actually. It's not like in your face. It's not like a big zoom in of it happening. I, I think that like we're getting ahead of ourselves with, with, with that. I think we need to concentrate on on the bigger horror aspect of this, uh, and, which is the fact that the film is set almost entirely in daylight. you know as an audience we're used to horror films taking place at night. midsummer takes place almost entirely in the day and it creates this uneasy and unnerving experience as an audience we just don't know what to expect. The longer this goes on and the more we're exposed to the brightness, the more our expectations are just not met and the more unnerved we feel. And it's such a powerful tool, I think, and it it makes the horrors that we experience more physical and more shocking. Uh, Like One great thing I I think about this film is that it's unlike most horror films, in that the central character starts off at their very, very lowest point at the beginning of the film, and ends it at the top. So it starts with a devastating effect, it's visually dark, and at the end, it's sheer brightness, and the central character is expressing genuine joy. You know, how many times does that actually happen in a film? Dave mentioned about like the long zooming shots, you know, he's, they're not reinventing the wheel. He's doing just a really good job. You know, people have been using the same camera techniques for generations, and this guy is, is doing it very superbly. When they arrive at the commune, there's this really slow camera zoom and it turns upside down. It creates this disorientation. It's a similar effect he uses later on when we're showing this Blood Angel thing. It's, a, you know, it's a very disorienting thing. And, you know, I think um, going into more detail on the horrors and uh, something that Joel touched upon before is it kind of skirts a line between horror and absurdity. And like it perfectly taps into that uncomfortable laughter that occurs when you don't know what to do. So, right at the beginning, we mentioned about buttocks being thrusted. There's this sexy scene. Oh, yeah. Between, uh, we're
0: we gonna pay
1: sections. that off now <laughs> yeah, yeah. Off. there's a sex scene between christian and one of the commune members you know she's just come of age and um she set her sights on christian and all of the commune basically uh, gather christian up and uh, they, they force him into this sort of pagan ritualistic sex scene and uh and it, it's very sort of like absurd and you know it's a, a basically the two of them going on it's surrounded by a group of naked women who are chanting and it's very sort of like funny you, you know, as in you, like you're laughing but you, you don't know why it's very sort of dark humor um I, you know I, it's it's unnerving but i read an interview with Jack Rainer, who plays Christian and he mentioned that you don't really see these sorts of ritualistic sex scenes happening to male characters in these types of films and that it flips the dynamic on its head and he also mentioned like the sheer vulnerability that the character felt at that moment um and i think that but as dave mentioned before what's great about this horror is that a lot of it is telegraphed you know, and because it's set in the day, it makes it more intense because you know something's going to happen, and there's no sort of like cloak of darkness to make it a bit easier. It's like you see it coming, and it and it happens. It's and you know, if the film starts with a moral of like events that happen in the film, like when you first see it, you kind of like oh, you can kind of figure out maybe what might happen, but you don't really know. But when you watch it a second time, everything that happens in the film is depicted there. What Like, uh, there's a scene earlier on when they're talking about going to Sweden, A Mark's character says to Christian, you need to go to Sweden and impregnate a Swedish girl. You know, like, all, all of these things are... are telegraphed when they stay in the commune they're in a hut and the hut is decorated with all these paintings of the the rituals that eventually happen if you look on the walls there's the suicides of the 72 year olds there's also um a, a mural there of uh the girl coming of age and finding the man and then the man eventually dying you know all of this is just plastered throughout so if you were smart enough and you know like kind of had a keen eye and you were able to like look around the space you could actually telegraph a lot of what's actually going to happen but it doesn't make it any less shocking it makes it sort of more powerful in my opinion
0: okay thank you very much uh like i'm starting to feel like i'm getting like most of what i need but ozzy please you know i i want to say
4: that i think really made me stick with it as well because um i'm not a big fan of horror films right so it helped that it was leads you along with this one it made it a little bit easy to swallow I don't you don't want to what i don't really want is a horror film where i'm stuck sat up at night you know because it's in the fucking dark and you don't want to go down and get yourself a glass of water or whatever or go to the toilet i'd rather wet the bed than you know whereas this is the daylight so it's 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 honestly not on but dude i think it's absolutely beautifully shot there's moments where you know. The, what they, did I say
3: the, at the start of this? <laughs>
0: he
4: did say I've written it
0: down. <laughs> it's
4: absolutely fantastically shot. It, it's these are real, real like it's very visually enjoyable. You know, in, in spite of the gore. You know, the blood eagle is an incredibly great shot. You know, it's so well thought through, even though it's gross. It it it's absolutely brilliant. But then there's other. You know, there's like you get to see this. Uh, you see in the Swedish scenery, everyone is beautiful. All of the. The you know the white gowns against the the grassy backdrops, and it's just yeah. really
0: well done, really really well shot. Lovely. Anything on anything anyone desperately wants to say before we finish?
3: I'll just add in one tiny thing, which is only thirty seconds, and I would say that I actually found this film, you know, mildly offensive as somebody who's got like experience with, you know, mental health. I just think the way that this film portrays it in such an insidious way. Um, was just really irresponsible Um, especially when you know everything that they show in the film and how they end it as well uh, the fact that she finds belonging and acceptance in like basically a suicidal uh, murderous cult I just felt was uh, you know not the best way to to kind of go along with that Seconds to I,
2: can't I want to reiterate what Joel said. I do actually agree with that point. I think depicting people who have had depression or traumatic experiences have uh, happened to them as being one more snap away from becoming homicidal. I do exactly. think it's a stretch too far. I do think it's irresponsible. And I don't think it's a very favorable depiction of mental health. It's it's cinematic and it's exploitative and it's overdone. And yeah, it, it's there's a lot of wailing and screaming going on in this film. There's an awful lot of wailing and screaming going on in this film. But in, for, in terms of a, a tasteful depiction of mental health, when it is such a centric theme, I think it's uh, surely lacking.
1: I massively disagree. I mean, firstly, I've outlined why I thought it was a good uh, depiction of mental health earlier on, so I'm not going to re- reiterate all that again. But I will say that it's not just about mental health. It's not about, like, her having mental health issues and then finally she snaps. There's also the whole thing about the cult being, as Joel said before, insidious. They're very sort of persuasive. You know, They're able to lure her into the, uh, their family, essentially, and that's why she snaps, and that's why, you know, she carries out those actions. It's not mainly because of her mental health it's that combined with the cult you know like how many cult films have we seen where you know mental health hasn't been addressed and it's just been a fact of you know there's a character that is brought into a cult and then they do horrible things just because the cult told them to and the cult was able to wrap them around their little finger with this it's the combination of the two she suffers horrific loss and then the cult has come in at the right time at the right moment and then she's ended up doing those things it's not a commentary on its mental health at all
0: okay okay uh Anything else anyone wants to add in,
1: Gonna,
4: I was actually just going to reiterate what what Gavin said
1: that, that okay, cool. I, feel, I feel like, I feel cool. I feel like we need to leave it there because otherwise yes. we can go it's on forever it it's going it it to kick off one, I've got one, one time th- final thing it's so less you want to be in 30 seconds? no 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 it is no 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 it's
3: not so I just wanted to a couple of let's time this let me get a timer on surely we should go a rebuttal as well if everyone's hand
0: goes up at the end of this no, no,
1: right, no, right, no, I've no, no, It, it It's just a couple of reviews here, a couple of reviews. So, firstly, Jordan. No, no, Peele no, 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 no! no, 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 no. no please no no, 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 please. Listen. listen, listen! Please hear me out. Like, he, Jordan it, to
3: be, fair, said, be the judge that has has, uh, has a final say on <laughs> please, this. He please, hear please,
1: please hear me out. Please hear me out. Please, I'm imploring you, right? So, Jordan Peele, right? I think we all respect as a cinematographer, like a director. Sorry, said this is the most atrociously disturbing imagery he's ever seen on film, and usurps the Wicker Man. As the most iconic pagan movie to be referenced. Like, secondly, Dave's uh, bastion of cinematic integrity. Roger Ebert, fucking <laughs> Can you, please can you, can you please, please? can you please? Can you please? Just let me finish. Can you please no, let me finish? This is like, I'd like to Vulcan highlight. Vulcan. I'd like to highlight one final positive review. Right, and they say this film is exciting, and has Ber- Bergman-esque shots. And <laughs> did. They're not my words, Alex. They're not my words, but the words of Nicholas Cage.
2: <laughs> How <laughs> would you like
0: that, Apple Steve? Uh, okay.
2: I would like to call us back to an earlier episode where I tried to quote a critic and Gav shot me down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Let
3: me speak. Yeah, I, I think you should disregard all of those points, Brucey. <laughs> I, I, am cage. Gonna, I am going to. The only reviews. reviews I'm going to listen to are
0: you, you fours. Okay, that I'll, I'll do that. Right, I need time to think but i also did the quiz so i'm gonna do both at the same time and watch, watch, watch me go uh, right this is a film I, I had to do a little bit of research about midsummer and i realized that it was about cults so this is a film about cults this is a quiz about cults in films okay first question rosemary's baby from 1968 directed by Robert, uh, roman polanski was a classic but something I didn't know is that it actually spawned a sequel that came in 1976. Does anyone know the name of that sequel?
2: Rosemary's Toddler.
0: Rosemary's <laughs> 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 <Braving> Babies, Baby. <laughs> These are all better titles.
1: We did this. Uh, this is a question we, we had to ages ago. We were talking about, uh, we had to, a quiz that was about really poor sequels that nobody heard of, isn't it? Something like, um, hey, what's going on with Rosemary's
0: baby or something like that? Close. Look what's happened to Rosemary's <laughs> Baby. Oh <my> <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. It's like um, a like, title. Yeah, I know, I know. It needs an exclamation mark at the end, but it You'll never
4: one. guess what ha- what Rosemary's <laughs> Baby looks like no, now. That little <laughs> satanic bastard.
0: <laughs> right. The Devil Rides Out uh, was a 1968 uh, Hammer Horror. Which uh, actor played the lead who was battling a a sect of Satanists? The actor was in a battle against Satanists. The
4: actor played
0: the lead, and the lead was battling a sect of Satanists. (laughs) In (laughs) Ham Horror, The Devil Rides Out. uh, Christopher Lee. It was Christopher Lee. It was Christopher Lee. Well done, Gav. I was trying to, by, by being a good guy, I think it's possibly his only good guy role ever. Uh, in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, there is a cult. Can you name that cult?
2: Jesus. Cult of Kali?
0: No. No, but that is very close, Dave. That is something else in the film. Wow, that's amazing. It was Thuggy is yeah. is the name of the quote. Uh, or... You may all remember Mandy from 2018 as being a terrible film, and you'd be <laughs> correct in remember that. Uh, <laughs> Some of you thought it was good, though. Uh, do you remember the name of the cult leader in Mandy? Oh.
1: Uh, no. no. Je, je, oh. Je,
0: je, uh, Jeremiah. Yeah, out. I'm going to give you it. Jeremiah Sand. Do you, oh, yeah. Does anyone know the name of the main character in Mandy, played by yeah, Nicholas Cage? Oh. Oh. <laughs> <nerd. laughs> No, No. it's a great film, isn't it? It's a really good film. I'm glad we put this on the hit list. (laughs) Uh,
1: uh, 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 Red? Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) Red Miller. Red Miller. Red Miller. This film deals with drugs
0: better than Mandy did, by the way. It's It's over. Uh, The Master um, was by Paul Thomas Anderson uh, with Joaquin Phoenix. And it was based on a cult that exists today. Does anyone know what that uh, cult is? Scientology. It is Scientology. It's never mentioned in the film, but it's clearly very, very based on it. Uh, I, for told
4: you I still get letters from the Scientologists. I've Yeah, I, I called in for something to do between meetings once, just because I was, uh, <laughs> I needed something <laughs> to do. You <laughs> did <read laughs> uh, um, Scientologist? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they were there, like offering, um, <laughs> offering personality tests. So I just called in. What, what was your personality minutes. at the end? Does he? Oh, I didn't stick around for that, but they they keep trying to uh, entice me back so I can find out what my uh, what yeah, it is. Yeah. And they send me little pamphlets about how to deal with stress at work. and uh Once you so join, you've got a
0: quite a collection. Yeah, yeah. I think they I must know. be following me. I <laughs> That's know. where all of our listens come from. <laughs> I popped out for milk. The uh, close, so I joined the Freemasons as well as <laughs> you. <laughs> nice. Between us, we could get into yeah, all, all of the details. <laughs> and as well, and as well, yeah, they're not exclusive. Uh, yeah. Does right? The Children of the Corn was based on a story which was written by Stephen King. Stephen King. Stephen King. Uh, how many sequels have there been to Children of the Corn? Grandchildren
3: of the corn. Five. <laughs> seven. You know
0: what? Probably. Five, seven. Anyone seven. else? Um, so, um, two. I'm going to say four. Dave is spot on with seven. Wow. Well done, Dave. And my last question uh, Wickerman, um, how much was Christopher Lee paid uh, for the Wickerman? I reckon he did it for free. Bag of Skittles and a Diet Coke. Bag of Skittles. <laughs> Anyone else? He did do it for free. He did do it for free. Wow. If you adjust for inflation, how much to the nearest dollar Still was the original made for? Not at times of no Just do it. Say that again. Yeah. How much was the budget for the original Wicker Man adjusted for inflation? So, in today's money, what do you think the original was made for? 50,000. It's yeah. wow. <laughs> i uh, so between fifty thousand and fifty
4: mil. <laughs> <laughs> three million. What was, what was the year of the wicker man Seventy
2: three, I think, or something. Yeah, like that. I mean there was some
4: good inflation between, you know, oh, the, yeah. the late eighties yeah. and now. One million, let's say.
2: <laughs> three million.
0: Okay. So
4: seven and a uh, half million.
0: Okay. I mean, Gav was technically right when he said between 50,000 and 50 million, but I'm <laughs> going to give it a day. But on 3 million. Oh, wow. Scary last after. bit. Uh, what was the remake made for with Chris uh, Nicolas Cage? I think it's on 3.7 or 2.7 on AMDB. Uh, that's the that one I
4: thought we were talking about. What was <laughs> it made for?
0: Yeah. What was the budget of that one? 3 million oh, for the original. Okay. Um, i it's probably 3, 3 million, million just for the bees.
2: 42 million. <laughs>
0: And, Gav, are you Googling Um, it on your phone?
2: No, 8 million.
0: I am going to give it to date again. It was 40 million. Well done. I'm going to give that quiz to date. Well Well done, done, man. Well done. Uh, Okay. Okay. like a lot of passionate feelings on this one. So it's, as always, quite hard to make a judgment without losing a friend, it feels. So do <laughs> 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 Luckily, we, we're not near you, so... Do wish me luck on this one, guys. Um, I, I, I I get that it does seem like there's quite a lot of stupidity. Um, but as always in horror, I'm always kind of ready to to give that to a certain extent because it, I feel like sometimes the plot requires stupidity in, in horror films. Uh, it does seem like there's quite a lot of stupidity, but I do feel like, you know, there was quite a lot of interesting stuff in the film that sort of made up for that. It does seem like there's massive big themes in it, like about the, the grief and the mental illness and the breakup and the trauma that people go through. And um, yeah, that that did interest me, I have to say. And it did make me think, well, maybe that would make you forget a little bit about the stupidity of, of people. I'm definitely convinced that there's too much gore in this film. It, it does sound like there's there's way too much. Um. Uh. But it did... I, I was a bit convinced by the defence when they said that, you know, it's set in the daylight, and so that did make me think, well, maybe that's why there's so much gore, because it's almost like you, you just see everything. And it seems like the actual... Um the tension in the film came from the gore, like you were waiting for that next bit. So so I was kind of convinced, even though I still do think that there's too much. Um, the, the last point was the trickiest point to think about, to be honest, about the mental health. And I'm not sure if I'm going to get this right or wrong. So, you know, I haven't seen it, so I'll have to see next week. Um, maybe the mental health wasn't done as well as it could be, but, you know, it's a horror film, so I think everything's going... All the things are going to be extreme, and it is set in a cult, so I think mental health was always going to be an extreme way of looking at it. So, for right or wrong, I, I am going to put this film on the hit list. It does sound good enough to be on that hit list. I don't know though. I'm interested to see what happens with that one.
3: Okay. Is everyone still my friend,
1: John? <laughs> <laughs> Thank yeah, you, yeah.
3: Alex. Yeah. Like, I, I um, you know, I, I obviously didn't hide my feelings, but it just goes to show, you know, how something I can take from the film is completely different from, from what Gav can take from the film. And I know that, you know, personally, you know, I'm not alone in, in how I feel about it as well. So um, I I obviously really didn't like it. And, you know, I think part of that was because Gav said it was his film of 2019 and I ran into it with such high, high expectations because Gav's such you know, a horror connoisseur, if you like. Um, And it it let me down a little bit in that respect. But, you know, I can certainly see why, why people would like it.
1: Joel, I will say that you didn't like Reanimator, uh, Halloween 3, and uh, many others that I've recommended, so... Like, I, Event I'd, Horizon.
0: I'd, yeah,
1: yeah. I I'd, I'd start really <laughs> questioning my uh, horror connoisseur title. Um, Paltry but, Geist. <laughs> yeah, Paltry, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Paltry Geist is a classic, man. Yeah, um, I, I, I will, yeah, will say, uh, you know, similar to Joel... Um, I absolutely loved it but I I think it is quite a divisive film and I think it's maybe because Hereditary was so loved and I think maybe people thought it was going to be you know a similar sort of uh, vibe to that uh, or maybe people just assumed that it was going to be sort of balls to the wall horror and you know there were going to be lots of scary elements to it and it wasn't that type of film at all uh, but yeah no, I I really enjoyed it uh, you know I'm all the positives that I mentioned before, but obviously, like we didn't talk about the the set design, the costumes, the cinematography was just absolutely beautiful. You know, there's just so many positive aspects about this film for me. And uh, on top of it all was the performances, especially that of Florence Pugh, I thought was absolutely fantastic in this film. And um, so, yeah, all that on top of everything that else that I mentioned before made this, as I said earlier, my film of 2019. Two thumbs up. So, uh, yeah. uh, Dave, what did you think? Be interesting.
2: Um, I didn't lie about any of my opinions on it everything I said I, I do agree with but it does pale in comparison when you look at all that the film has going for it there is a lot of good stuff here there are flaws in it I, I don't like the depiction of mental health if I'm being perfectly honest and I do think they went a little too far with the gore but there is a lot of good going on in this film there is a lot to praise it for and I think when you weigh everything up against one another it, it's a flawed film but it's very good uh, I'd watch it again for sure. Confusing film. Um, I would not go as far to say it's my film of 2019, but it it's good. It's a it's a solid entry for Ariaster here for sure. Would
1: you say it was top 2019 films of 2019?
3: <laughs> top 2019 <Yeah>. films. <laughs> <laughs> Just about.
2: I would say yeah, it's in the top 2019 films.
1: Of 2019. <laughs> okay, i'll uh, Aussie.
2: I uh I was
4: dreading watching this film to be honest with you. I'm not a big fan of horror films and I put it off and put it off and put it off and eventually I watched it last night and um I am really glad I did. I I uh, really enjoyed it. It was uh it wasn't what I was expecting it to be. It was um I'm glad it was in the daylight. Um but genuinely it was uh I think it looks beautiful. It I thought it was a good story. Like I just I really liked it. I thought, you know, I'd be I'd be keen to maybe go and look into hereditary and um and some of the other films, which it's been likened to, when I was reading up on it, to, the to is put an argument together. What's that? Well, yeah, I, 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 I think that that's massively, scary, massively more scary than this. But uh,
2: just just watch the trailer; it tells you everything you need to know.
4: Oh yeah, do you not know watch <laughs> the
2: trailer. Yeah,
4: <laughs> but um, but no, I I genuinely thought you were really well done. Um, I I agree with a lot of the points uh Dave and Joel made. You know, there's there's definitely an argument both ways on this. I'm glad, you know, it is a divisive film. I'm sure sure of that. But um, really glad to watch it. Enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. Okay, Uh, so yeah, look forward to that one, Alex. Um, A higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was Roadhouse.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which scored 99% on... Uh, Midsummer and Roadhouse can sit next to each other now on our hallowed... (laughs) Our hallowed...
3: Gotta
0: be
1: higher. gotta be it's very it's very much higher it's 83 uh, percent but once again i posted a poll up on twitter over the weekend and asked our friends and followers which list midsummer should be placed on uh, you hour... actually
3: put three polls up on twitter
1: today yeah Oh, well, well, I biffed it up. Uh, you know, that's probably me trying to multitask and obviously doing a very poor job of it. Well, one of the know, it's
3: polls... One on the, shit list one on the shit list, so it depends <laughs> what poll
1: you are <laughs> <laughs> well, this poll I'm looking at says 53%. I did think that we only had quite a low amount of people completing it. I think there was 17 people who completed it and it said 53% said it should be on the hit list. Uh, so maybe that's probably because I put two polls up by accident. So if you add those two polls together, I think uh, 117% of people say that it should be on the hit list uh, so yeah um anyway uh before we adjourn the case it's time for a little caption contest so here i take a screenshot of the film put it on twitter and ask our friends and followers to provide a funny caption with the best one winning a frog shaped chocolatey treat <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, the scene is, uh, I'll just show it to you here. It's Florence Pugh's Danny winning the Mayflower Queen, and she's adorned in a uh, sort of flowery headdress and uh, a cloak, okay. but it's more like a teepee that she's wearing. And uh, yeah, you guys just got to say which one is the funniest comments, starting with. Number one, when your Pokemon levels up poorly. Uh, <laughs> number two, happy Mother's Day. I am your gift. Uh, number three, when all your post-COVID Amazon items get delivered at once. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: number four, when you hear that your crush likes flowers. Uh, number five, waking up on the, on May 6th and think, I knew I shouldn't have dragged that second giant margarita. Uh, next one, fucking hay fever uh <laughs> the next one be on the parade float they said it'll be fun they said <laughs> uh next one is i just really 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 want to make sure that we get to san francisco um i, I don't know, uh, I don't know that. <laughs> next one, uh that feeling when he's the only one to forget your birthday i think that's referenced <laughs> in the film where christian forgets it it's her birthday and he dies probably not just because of that but maybe it was one of the contributing factors uh and uh, uh, yeah midsummer feminine hygiene products for that fresh touch of spring yeah, i'm going to go with the uh, <laughs> maybe pick the better <laughs> one to with, them, sorry. Okay, I'm gonna go one with the amazon
4: it? one i like yeah. the amazon everything arriving at once yeah
2: yeah yeah, 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 yeah I, I like that one
1: topical okay congratulations to long time uh, listener ryan l terry you've just won yourself a flippity fredo <laughs> Okay, so uh, the next film has been picked out of the hat at random, and it is 2019's Joker. Uh, Anyway, the roles have been picked out at random as well. So in the role of defense, it's going to be Dave and Alex. In the role of prosecution, it's going to be myself and Joel. And in the role of judge, it's going to be Austin. Uh, So, yeah, look forward to that one. Uh, anyway, thank you very much to everybody who's listened to this episode. If you liked the episode, please remember to like, share, and subscribe. And why not leave us a lovely five-star review on Amazon Podcast? Uh, And just yeah, spread the warm love that is filmed on trial in as many years as possible. And remember to check out all of our social media at film trials for Twitter and Films on Trial for YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. So that is it. Midsummer is a hit, and we will be directly in your ears next week with Joker. Goodbye.